gentlemen, boys and girls, tonight you are listening live to another episode of Brandon's World here on this Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. It is good to be back with you here today as we have a lot of news to cover. Not necessarily so much in Major League Baseball because, you know, it's kind of the start of the MLB season. The MLB season, I always say, you know, never really starts and counts. So, uh, June 1st, of course, last week we went over the entire NFL schedule. All 280-plus regular season and postseason games. If you missed that podcast, you can always go back on the Brands World Podcasting platforms, whether it be at Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes will be listening as well as the Brandon's World YouTube channel. So we're not going to talk a lot of NFL today. This is probably one of the few podcasts that I've done since September where we are talking no NFL action. This is really the dead period in the NFL schedule. It's right after the schedule release. You know, it's kind of right before training camp. We really have about five, six weeks where there's not a ton going on in the National Football League, but there is a lot going on today, not only backstage, but on screen in professional wrestling, specifically WWE. That's where we're going to start off with today because these two ladies behind me here in my virtual background, if you are watching on YouTube, Naomi and Sasha Banks, by now, y'all know the story, y'all know what happened. This past Monday Night Raw in Virginia, Naomi and Sasha Banks were scheduled to compete in a six-pack challenge for the new number one contendership for the Raw Women's Championship. The match was also supposed to involve Nikki A.S.H., Dewdrop, Becky Lynch, and Asuka. Unfortunately, right as Raw hit the air, or maybe right before Raw hit the air, Naomi and Sasha Banks decided to go into Edmonton Relations, John Laurinaitis' office, relinquish the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship and walk out of the company. And this past Friday night on SmackDown, Michael Cole issued a statement saying that Naomi and Sasha Banks let the entire WWE Universe down. They are no longer the Women's Tag Team Champions and there will be a tournament to crown the new champions. Obviously, there is a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to address. So I'm just going to be spewing my initial thoughts and then what I think is going to lead and kind of just my thoughts all over the place here on this situation. Initially, I did not feel like this was a work, which would of course be pretend. I thought it was a shoot. You guys have never heard the term in wrestling, work or shoot. Essentially, a work is a part of the storyline. A shoot is something real going on, either behind the scenes or on camera. I felt like this was more of a shoot. WWE typically doesn't go out of their way to make press releases. They did so, obviously, after they after the Naomi and Sasha Banks incident on Raw, saying they were disappointed they could not deliver the main event, even though the WWE card is subject to change at all times. I did think their statement about Naomi and Sasha Banks not wanting to work with two individuals in the match, I thought that that was nonsense. I thought that that was a way to kind of get to the Becky and Asuka one-on-one match instead of just making it a fatal four-way. I don't know why they made that decision, but I thought that that part of the statement was BS. I understand where Naomi and Sasha Banks were coming from, right? They are not treated well as the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. 
But let's be honest here, and I said this when I previewed WrestleMania 38 Night 2, when they were in that fatal four-way, you know, with Natalia and Shayna Baszler and Carmella and, and Delina Vega and Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Even when the Tag Team Championships were created in 2019, and mostly it was because Sasha Banks and Bayley wanted to become the first ever Women's Tag Team Champions. They really had, you know, no legitimate tag teams in the division. They've all been made up teams from the beginning. You know, the reign that Sasha Banks and Bayley had in 2020 made the tag team titles a little bit legitimate. I thought Nia Jax and Jaina Baszler had a pretty good reign with the tag team championships. But even teams like, you know, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross at the time, uh, uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane, the Kabuki Warriors. You know, these teams that have up the tag team championships, Carmella and Zelina Vega, the tag team championships have really meant nothing since they've been there. And I didn't think WWE had the teams to make those championships relevant. I thought it was a bad idea to bring the championships there in the first place. What I do think WWE needs is I do think they do need a secondary women's championship, but I think it needs to be a secondary women's singles championship, a women's intercontinental, or a women's United States championship. I don't know if they have enough women superstars to make one for Raw and one for SmackDown. I think one belt that kind of floats across both brands would be good because I think it's a lot easier to establish yourself as a singles competitor first rather than a tag team. And then when you start getting more, more women and you create tag teams, that's where you can kind of create the division. But I think a secondary women's championship a kind of mid-card women's championship is necessary. On the topic of Naomi, you know, trying to pin Sasha Banks, I understand where that concern comes in. You don't want to pin your tag team partner. They definitely could have changed up the finish. You know, Naomi could have pinned Nikki A.S.H. or Drop or somebody like that. But I don't understand why Naomi and Sasha Banks did not want to compete one-on-one -on -one for a single championship in WWE. Again, I understand that they are the women's tag team champions. They're supposed to be focusing on the tag team goal. But, the, but at the same time, we've seen many and multiple superstars, men and women, throughout history have tag team championships and go for a singles championship. We saw Bailey and Sasha Banks do that when Bailey had the SmackDown Women's Championship and the Women's Tag Team Championships. Sasha Banks had the Raw Women's Championship and the Tag Team Championships. So I do not really see, you know, the, the issue with that. I think Bianca Belair and Naomi, you know, two generational, you know, African-American talent in that ring, you know, something that WWE has rarely done, you know, and again, in trying to, to promote diversity and culture in, in their community. We had the first ever black woman's main event at WrestleMania 37 between Sandra Banks and Bianca Belair. I don't think WWE has really had two legit stars, though, in the women's division with Naomi and Bianca Belair go one-on-one at a non-big four pay-per-view. I thought that'd be an excellent opportunity. I've always wanted to see Naomi go one-on-one -on -one with the EST of WWE, and I don't mind that plan for how I sell, nor did I mind the plan of them doing Sasha Banks versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I know we saw the match, at Royal Rumble 2019, that was a different boss. That was a different blueprint. At the time, she wasn't even the blueprint. She had purple hair instead of blue hair. 
This is a more confident Sasha Banks. We know Sasha Banks is a star. And listen, eventually we know we're going to get a rematch between Bianca Moer and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. We know we're going to get a rematch between Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair more than likely for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So, yes, Naomi was not going to win the Raw Women's Championship. Sasha Banks was not going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. But you know what? I think that these two ladies could have been more professional. I think they could have put on a phenomenal match. It would have made me care about the story on a pay-per-view that we talked about, right? WrestleMania backlash. We said it was not much stakes going into it. And then being an excellent show. I think the same thing could have been said here. Naomi and Bianca Moera could have put on a banger of a match. Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey could have put on a banger of a match. I don't understand where they're coming from. I don't think it was worth a walkout at all. And if it is true, uh, I think that is a bad look for Naomi and Sasha Banks. For the record, I don't blame what Michael Cole said on SmackDown. I don't blame what WWE said on commentary. I think part of that is because I do think somewhat this is a work. Uh, They did not mention CM Punk when he quit the company. They would have used their real names, I feel like. And the fact that they keep bringing it up and now they're having a tournament to crown the new women's sanctioning champions, who knows? Maybe it's a way to get Naomi and Sasha Banks into the bloodline. There just seems to be a lot of suspicious here. You know, the fact that they wrote up a press release. The fact that, again, they keep mentioning it on commentary. The fact they did shrub them with the tag team championships. And the fact there is now a tournament plan to crown new tag team champions. That quickly, it doesn't seem like a solution usually comes that quickly in WWE. This does seem like a work. And if Naomi and Sasha Banks does return at LNSL, I would not be surprised. Again, you know, I understand why they did it. I can see the viewpoint of them trying to make the women's tag team championships prestigious, but it doesn't matter what tag team you put them in with, in my opinion. It's not going to be prestigious because WWE just does not have the woman to fill out a full tag team division. Quite personally, I am disappointed the one of it in Sasha Banks and Naomi, and uh, I don't think that they should have walked out, and I don't have a problem with what Michael Cole said on Friday Night SmackDown this past Friday. Well, speaking of this past Friday, folks, the bloodline, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, the bloodline now hold all the gold in WWE. And you know, I said last week on this podcast, I said that I thought RK Bro should have went over against the Usos in this match. I think that they should have went with the storyline that Roman Reigns is the only one that can hold double championships in WWE, not the Usos. And RK Bro is so hot right now that I think that that crowd would have exploded if they would have won both sets of tag team championships. However, that's not the direction WWE went. And now, as I said, the Bloodline do run the yard and they do hold all the gold in WWE. My question is, and it's always been my question from the start with as long of a reign as Roman Reigns has had. He is taking out everybody from Braun Strowman to The Fiend to Jay Uso to Drew McIntyre to Kevin Owens to Daniel Bryan to Edge, to Cesaro, to John Cena, to Finn Bauer, to Brock Lesnar, 
to Seth Rollins to Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. The amount of superstars Roman Reigns has taken out on the SmackDown roster. Likewise for the Usos. They have ran through the Mysterios, the Viking Raiders, the New Day, Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura, Los Lotharios, Alpha Academy, and now RK Pro. You name it, this team, the Bloodline, they may be, as Pat McAfee said on commentary and SmackDown, the most dominating faction in WWE. And the question here is, what's next? Roman Reigns will not have a, tag, uh, a championship defense, excuse me, till money in the bank, it sounds like. You know, and the question here is, do the Usos and RK Bro go at it again inside LNSL? We already have one LNSL match between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, which I think will be an excellent contest. Will this lead to an LNSL match? And can these Usos finally win a match? I think that is the next trajectory to this story. Can the Usos finally win a match without Roman's interference? Because, of course, Roman did interfere last night, and then did Bloodline made little kids cry. Absolute great heel work at the end of the show Friday night, taking out RK-Bro. You know RK-Bro is going to want revenge. And man, the bloodline now, it's like, how much more can they do? I mentioned all the opponents they took out. The question is, who's next for them? And now, how do you break up RK-Bro? You know, I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, I think that Riddle should turn on Randy Orton when the time is eventually right. Though I don't know what the time is right. If you want to do SummerSlam, you want to do after SummerSlam, you want to go and wait a little longer till next year's WrestleMania. Randy Orton specifically right now is so hot. The crowd is in love with him. They're chanting Randy every time they come out. Not necessarily Riddle, but they want Randy. And Randy's getting all the big pops. And people love RK, bro. That I think eventually it would be a good story if Riddle gets jealous of all the love that Randy Orton has. Who knows, maybe Randy takes the WWE Championship off of Roman Reigns. We'll see if Roman Reigns is still the Universal and WWE Champion by the time we get to The Rock and WrestleMania 39 in Hollywood. There's a lot of variables going on. I always say that. There's a lot of different directions, and I, I think that that is good. I think WWE has built some really good direction for the Bloodline, and I think that it will be good for them going into the future but yeah for right now man the bloodline rule this yard and now as you can see behind me we are at the nba playoffs the eastern and western conference finals are upon us we got the dallas mavericks against the golden state warriors which as of the time of this recording on a saturday afternoon Golden State is up 2-0 on Dallas after Dallas bore a 19-point lead in Golden State on Friday night. Game three will be tonight. I do think that Golden State wins this series in five games. I already mentioned it on the All Things Cash podcast for Believe Win Media, which you can check out with me and Joey Snyder every Wednesday. I mentioned on that podcast this week that I think Steph Curry is going to win the Most Valuable Player Award in this year's NBA Finals. I think this is Golden State's time. I think they have the best chemistry. I think they have the best experience. And I think they're just a really well-built team. On the East, I think Miami is really tough. 
But this year, this is where I think Jason Tatum has kind of risen in a superstar. He takes out the Nets. He takes out the Bucks, who clearly did miss Chris Middleton in that series. I think if the Bucks have Chris Middleton, they go over the Celtics in the series. But credit to Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, you know, Pritchard, all these guys in the Celtics, they're very tough-minded and they play well together as a team. And you, May Adoka, has that team playing very well. For Dallas, man, they feel like a Cinderella story. They feel like the 07 Cows when LeBron James carried the likes of Sasha Pavlovich, Larry Hughes, Z, Andy Verizon, all those guys against the Spurs in the NBA Finals. It feels like it's just Luka Dantage and a bunch of guys. And Luka Dantage made the Phoenix Suns quit last Sunday night. I mean, that was incredible. He scored as many points in the first half as the old Phoenix Suns team did. And Phoenix, and I said it last week, I said if Phoenix and Milwaukee both lose, which they ended up doing, I predicted that they would both win the game, though I said I would not be surprised if Boston beat Milwaukee. I was very surprised that Phoenix beat Dallas just because of the way Phoenix rolled rolled through everybody, not just Dallas, but everybody in the regular season. The Suns became the first team since the 07 Dallas Mavericks to lead the league in regular season wins and be eliminated before the conference finals. I think Phoenix, you know, they, they had a good run last year. They destroyed the Lakers. They destroyed Denver. They had a good art fought series with the Clippers. But then this year, we saw what Brandon Ingram and the Pelicans did to him. It took them six games. We saw what they did up 2-0 on the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie, who did nothing for Dallas for the first six games of the series, finally comes through and makes that trade for Christoph Porzingis worth it for the Dallas Mavericks with his key performance off the bench, not to mention Jalen Brunson in Game 7. But this is a game that Phoenix absolutely should have won. It's proven all along what I have already known. DeAndre Ayton is not that guy. Now, he is a restricted free agent. We'll see if Phoenix brings him back. I think you got to find more dogs, man. I know DeAndre Ayton is really talented, but this is the reason why New Orleans gave up on Anthony Davis. Great talent, not a winner. Now, obviously, they got a lot in return. Brandon Ingram, Josh Aronzo Ball is no longer there. Brandon Ingram does look like a star. They got Zion Williamson. They got another top pick in the lottery that they can sort of build around. By the way, before I forget, congratulations to the Orlando Magic for winning the lottery. We'll talk more about the draft in due time when the draft gets closer. But Phoenix has a lot of questions that they need to answer in my estimation. Do you even bring back Chris Paul? Chris Paul deteriorated, you know, after game two of this series. Again, Phoenix lost four to five. Chris Paul went perfect pretty much against the New Orleans Pelicans in game six and wasn't the same since. He seems like a very aging player. Seems like they relied a lot on Devin Booker down the stretch. And Devin Booker is a star. He is not a superstar. He will never bring you home when you need him to bring you home. It took Chris Middleton six, seven years, but we saw the Milwaukee Bucks miss Chris Middleton in this series, uh, as I already mentioned, against the Celtics. He is a key closer that Devin Booker is not. 
Jimmy Butler. We'll see what he can do. We've already seen him bring the Heat to the NBA Finals against the Lakers in the bubble. We know the Heat have been there, done that. But this is the year it feels like where it's going to be Golden State against Boston in the NBA Finals. It feels like Jason Tatum is rising into superstar status and Jalen Brown is rising into star status as we speak. And these guys are up-minded. They have a good veteran leadership in Al Orford, a coach that they love in Humane Doka, and they are playing well together as a team, better than Miami right now. I think the Boston-Miami series is a physical series. I think Boston is the better team. I'll pick Boston in six. I do think Dallas gets a game off Golden State, but I believe ultimately Golden State wins the series in five games. I think they're deeper, more experienced. And if I had to guess, I think that Golden State-Boston series is a really good series. I think it goes six, seven games. I think because Golden State has on court, I think you give the edge to them. I'll put Golden State in six. They win it in the TD Garden. They get back on top. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Steph Curry wins his first Finals MVP. All right, well, that'll do it for today's show. Again, I appreciate you guys stopping by. Not a long show today. Did not want to make this a long show today. Just wanted to talk a little bit of playoffs again, give you guys my thoughts. You know, I think that there needs to be more dogs in Phoenix. DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker will not be the ones carrying you to a championship when Chris Paul falls flat on his face. Congratulations to Luka Doncic. He is a superstar now in the NBA. What he's done with this Dallas team. Congratulations to what Jason Tatum is doing with the Boston Celtics and what Jimmy Butler is doing with the Miami Heat. Top two seeds in the East battling it out and Golden State just as the championship DNA pedigree. And of course, there's a lot going on in WWE right now with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline and the Naomi and Sasha Banks situation. And as Pat McAfee always says, it is the best damn wrestling company in the world. Certainly a lot better than that other company that resides on TNT every Wednesday night. That being said, we'll be back here next week for more Brandon's World. Until next time, I hope you guys have a great week. Stay warm. Enjoy the summer weather. We'll be here previewing potentially the NBA Finals as well as the end of the Eastern Conference Finals on Memorial Day weekend next weekend. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.